you're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Scams. Hello my radio friends. I'm so glad you've joined me today for another program in the series Give Me the Bible. The first part of this program may not seem to sound like anything to do with the Bible, but later you will see how it has a spiritual application. Very recently I received a phone call regarding my internet account. The caller announced in a hard-to-understand voice that we would be off the internet for 24 hours. It had something to do with the NBN he said. I had a difficult time understanding what the caller had to say and quite often had to ask him to repeat himself. I wondered if Telstra was using an overseas call centre to contact people in our area with the news that our internet service would be down for 24 hours. Eventually a supervisor came on the line and spoke. He said, that someone else had tapped into our internet account and was making unauthorised use of it. He then asked me if I'd be willing to cooperate in helping catch the hackers who'd been using our service. I readily agreed. He then instructed me to switch on my computer and download an application called Team Viewer. With this done, he supposedly put a trace on the hackers using my account and discovered that someone from Amsterdam in Holland, as well as someone else in Dayton, Ohio, USA, were helping themselves to our internet service. The supervisor explained that about 500 people in our area had similar problems, although they were unaware that their internet accounts were being hacked. Furthermore, he added, many of these people had money stolen from their bank accounts through their internet banking service. It was suspected that certain dishonest staff members in the banks were passing on information to crooks who were skimming customers' accounts. The supervisor said that he and his team were investigating on behalf of the Australian government in conjunction with the US federal government. He then told me about the trap that was being set for the bank employees who were passing on secret personal information. He then told me that his people would transfer $10,000 into my bank account but to help catch the cyber criminals, I was to transfer 9500 to a bank located in Bengal, India, and I was to be rewarded with $500 for my trouble. Details of the Indian bank and its address were given, and I printed out that information while the man was talking to me. However, I do not pay bills through my internet banking, I simply use it to check the status of my account. My bills are paid in the old-fashioned way. I informed the so-called detective 
that the money would need to be electronically transferred through the bank. So, with my phone on speaker mode and my computer on my lap, I can check. I checked up to see if the $10,000 had been placed in my account. And sure enough, there was $10,000 extra on my bank statement. Everything the man told me seemed to be genuine and authentic. So my wife drove me to the bank, which is about a kilometre from where we live. I was supposed to say the money was being transferred to pay for funeral expenses of a friend who died. We had forgotten to take the address of the recipient of the money and had to go home again to collect it. Then we returned to the bank. All this time the detective stayed online and warned me not to act suspiciously or to reveal what was happening. Otherwise, the dishonest bank workers may become aware that they were under suspicion. The second time at the bank entailed a ten-minute wait, and all the time the detective remained on the phone, waiting for me to tell him when the transaction had been made. While the bank staff member was preparing the paperwork in order to do the international money transfer, I asked her if I could just check my account on the bank's computer. She turned the computer so I could see the screen, and lo and behold, the $10,000 had disappeared. It was then that I realised the detective was nothing but a scammer. The $10,000 was in my account for only a few minutes and then removed. Had I made the money transfer, it would not have been from their $10,000. It would have been from my normal account. I then announced to the caller that he was a scammer. Suddenly, After being on the phone for three hours, the line went dead. So why am I telling you all this? Well, there are several reasons. First, it's my opinion that it's easier to fool an honest person than a dishonest one. Australians are, by and large, honest. And that's why eight to ten million dollars are being scammed from good-hearted Australians each month. Secondly, I've shared this experience so you can be aware of it in case you get a similar call. Thirdly, if you do get a call from someone who claims that they are from a government agency, a bank, a service that you use, the tax department, Centrelink, your telephone or internet provider, or even your electricity or gas provider, a dating agency, a computer repairer or similar, it will probably be a scammer. Scammers phone people. Government agencies, banks and providers must write you a letter. Fourthly, Be aware of three further things. 
If after your phone rings there's a short time when you don't hear anything, the call will most likely be from overseas. Then, secondly, there, you will probably notice the accent of the caller. It'll probably be an Indian, Asian or African accent. Coupled with that, the original caller will probably be relatively hard to understand and will later pass you on to his or her so-called supervisor. You may also notice a lot of talking as background noise. Some of these scammers have a lot of people working for them because scamming is big business. Fifthly, understand that the story they tell you may seem quite authentic and in some cases they may flatter you by telling you that you're a valuable person in assisting in some investigation although that may not always be the case. Sixthly, remember that these people do not know your personal or account details. Do not volunteer any personal information. If they say they are from whoever or whatever, ask them to tell you what is, say, your invoice number or account number. They tried to find out your personal details by asking you questions. If they do not know your invoice number or account number or any other such details like an address, you'll easily, easily recognise they're criminals trying to deceive you and steal your money. Seventh, it is best to immediately hang up. Do not let them keep you on the phone, or by their sheer persistence, they may talk you into something you will later regret. In my case, I reported the incident to Scam Watch, set up by the Australian government to inform the public about scams, and there are dozens of them. It's a good idea to look up the Scam Watch website and be informed about the many scams that are awaiting your cooperation. In 2017, Australians lost $340 million to scammers. Like me, you need to be on your guard, because these scammers are predators, out there, ready and prepared to catch their victims. In my case, I was so grateful that God did not allow me to lose a large sum of money to these predators. I sincerely thank God for protecting me. Scammers want your money. But there is an even greater and longer-lasting scam that's been going on where it's not just your money that's in jeopardy, but your soul, your life. And the Bible has quite a lot to say about this. In 1 Peter 5, 9 and 10a is this warning. Be self-controlled and alert. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Just like the scammers, Satan is on the lookout for victims. Not just to steal their money, but to devour them. In other words, to destroy them. And that includes you and me as well. So what are we to be aware of? What means does the devil use to get us? He usually attacks us on our weakest points. And here are some. Sex, greed, lust, pleasure, power, popularity, self-sufficiency, and maybe you can fill in the blanks for your particular case. There are things we need to know about scammers and we need to know that Satan has no interest in our welfare. He's not out to do you any good. His interest is to rob you of the opportunity of having a relationship with the Lord and rob you of receiving eternal life. He's out to destroy you. As with scammers, don't give them any of your time. So it is with the devil. If you play in his playground, you will most likely get caught. There is a further warning in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yes, the devil has many schemes, just as the scammers do. And he has schemes especially tailored to trick you. But you might be thinking, I can stand against him myself. Do you know what? I and many others have had that idea, but it doesn't work. Sooner or later, you will fall. Satan's intelligence and power far exceeds ours. What we need is someone who is mightier than the devil. We're going to stop here and have a little break and go on straight afterwards.
Before the break, I was talking to you about that master scammer, Satan. And I mentioned to you how that some people feel, well, he's not a problem. I can deal with him. But you know, it's almost an impossible situation. Because Satan's intelligence and power is much greater than ours. And what we need is someone who is mightier than the devil. Who is that someone? Well, that someone is the Lord. Jesus, God the Son, defeated Satan every time, including at the cross. Jesus is our willing, able helper. Consider this statement in Psalms 9 verse 9. It says, The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. If only I had someone wiser and more knowledgeable than me when that scammer deceived me, or almost deceived me recently, it would have saved me a lot of wasted time and anxiety. And that's just what we should do when being attacked by the devil. We should seek the Lord and ask him to help us. Scammers are in the business of deception. They spin stories that sound plausible. And of course Satan is in the deception business as well. He spun a story to our first parents, Adam and Eve, and told them that even if they disobeyed God by eating the forbidden fruit, they would not die. (laughs) But they did die. And as a result, death has come upon the whole of mankind. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, and the Apostle John all announced that mankind would be subject to deceptions 
and deceiving liars. And here's what Jesus said, and it's from Luke 21, verse 8. Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. We need to watch for the coming of Christ, but at the same time, we need to watch out that we are not deceived by the devil or anyone else. And here I'd like to mention something important. Despite all the statements in the Bible saying that the devil, Satan, is real, there is at least one religious group that completely denies Satan's existence. It's my strong opinion that that idea in, a, in itself is a deception, a grand deception. To think that there is no devil gives a false belief that you cannot be tempted and that you have no enemy to worry about. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus also warned. He said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Scammers, in the form of religious teachers, have deceived many and have brought into church congregations many false beliefs. Then to cover up their scams, they say, oh, it doesn't really matter what you believe. We're all one in Christ. It's almost like saying, oh, it doesn't matter what you put in the fuel tank of your car. Petrol, water, diesel, methylated spirits, kerosene, doesn't matter. But it does matter. Error taught in churches is just as deceptive as scammers spinning stories to wheedle you out of your money. The teaching that Sunday, the first day of the week, is the holy day of the week, is a scam. It's not taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches that the seventh day of the week is the Lord's day and is the proper time for rest and worship. The teaching that when someone dies that their soul goes to heaven, purgatory or hell, and lives on out of the body after death is another scam. It's not from the Bible. It's a made-up teaching that many sincere people have swallowed hook, line and sinker. If only people would search the scriptures for themselves to find out what is truth, they wouldn't be confused with such false teachings. The teaching that the wicked remain alive after being punished forever, uh, not after being punished, but the wicked remain alive being punished forever and ever in a continuing burning hell is another scam. Not only is it a scam, but it's an insult to our loving God. If God was to punish someone who exercised their right of choice to reject God's grace and then to have them to be tortured for eternity, he could be rightly accused of being a sadistic tyrant. And who would want to serve a God like that? 
Yet there are sincere, and I should add, confused Christians who in one way proclaim God is love, yet hold to the belief that God could be so nasty and unjust. Then there is the religious scam held by many that you cannot fall from grace. That means that when someone has been born again and become a follower of Christ, they're okay forever afterwards. The expression is, once saved, always saved. And that's how it should be. But sadly, it's not always the case. The Apostle Peter refers to followers of Christ who've returned to their old, selfish, unsaved ways. And here's what he said, and we find this in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. He said, It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverb is true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. The Apostle Paul names three individuals, including Demas, who turned away from the Lord. It's a scam that God has a kind of a lottery system and picks out individuals to save. Some call it predestination. Others have different terminology such as particular redemption. But that idea is completely anti-biblical. What the Bible says is that God predestines everybody to be saved. But unless they personally choose to accept God's grace, they won't be saved. The secret rapture teaching is also a scam, and there are many others. How can you avoid being scammed, being caught up in false teachings? Well, the answer is by studying your Bible for yourself and committing your life to the Lord, that's how. And it's my prayer and wish for you all that you will do just that and not be scammed by Satan and or people who present error as truth. Until next time then, this is Len, wishing you God's grace and blessings as you endeavour to know him and his holy word better.